For the ones who work hard to ensure their crew can always go the extra mile. And the ones who get in early so everyone can go home on time. There's Granger, Offering professional-grade supplies backed by product experts so you can quickly and easily find what you need. Plus, you can count on access to a committed team ready to go the extra mile for you. Call, click Granger.com, or just stop by. Granger For the ones who get it done. Every team, every topic, everywhere, this is Believe. Aaron going, that ain't right. You got robbed again. Again. On the attack, count the basket. Isaac got it. Slams it in on the follow of his own miss. How's it going, everyone? Welcome back to an all-new episode of Believe in Orlando Magic from the Believe Podcast Network. I'm your host, Mike Fizzino, as always, talking all things Orlando Magic, all things NBA basketball. Today is Friday, August 21st. If you're an Orlando Magic fan today, you've got to be happy. I mean, huge, huge, huge two games for the Magic, splitting the series 1-1 one one against Milwaukee. Obviously, the big story was the upset back on Tuesday in a 122-110 to win, I believe, was the final score. Just a huge game for the Magic back there. We're going to talk about both of these games and the impact that they are going to have on the rest of the series. First off, let's go back to Game 1. 122-110 to was the final score on Tuesday. As much as I like to rip on Nikola Vucevic, as much as I say I want him off the team, that he doesn't fit this team's long-term plans. I don't like him as a player. He was by far the best player on the court in Tuesday's game. 35 points, 14 rebounds, 4 assists, 15 of 24 from the field, including 5 of 8 from 3, netted a plus-minus of a positive 14. Just a really huge game for Vooch playing all 36 minutes of the game. He was undeniably the best player on the court for either team all game. Really great game from Vooch. I do want to dive into the rest of these player stats, though, and point out some noticeable performances first of all i said a couple of weeks ago gary clark was going to get meaningful playoff minutes 15.6 rebounds yes he was four of 12 but the confidence of shooting 12 three-point shots because he was four of 12 from three he only shot three pointers four of 12 from three just a really nice performance for him i know the shooting percentage doesn't look super promising but he was able to add 15 points. Looked to be a really nice fit alongside Vucevic in the front court. if Aaron Gordon is going to be out past Game 3. Um, I mean, I just like the confidence of him shooting 12 three-point shots. He was able to add 15 points, so I guess, you know, the, the shooting percentage could be better, but I just love the confidence of Gary Clark getting out there and scoring. I hope to see more from him in the future. Another notable performance for me was in his playoff debut, Markel Fultz, 15 points, 6 assists, 6 of 11 from the field solid game. I like that he was constantly surveying the floor, looking to find the open teammate. He wasn't being selfish with the ball, always was looking around, trying to split the defense, trying to find open teammates, trying to find good shots for his team. Just a really nice playoff debut for Markel Fultz. Another player I want to talk about is the Orlando Magic's other point guard on this team, coming off the bench at 23 minutes, DJ Augustine, 11 points and 11 assists, 3 of 11 from the field, so not incredibly consistent, but it's the assist hole that I'm looking at. It was watching the game, watching DJ Augustine take the keys to the offense and just really trying to find open teammates, trying to survey the floor. Him and Markel Fultz combined for 17 of the team's 29 assists, which, by the way, 
those 29 assists. Keep that in mind because 29 assists is the eighth time in Orlando Magic playoff history that the team has dished out 29 or more assists. Really great game for them. The highest all-time, by the way, is 34 assists back in 1996 against the Detroit Pistons. I believe it was. I think it was against the Pistons in the opening round. Um, Back in 96, 34 assists for the Magic. That's their all-time high. But 29 assists, eighth time in history that they've reached that mark. That stands out. I know the Magic haven't made the playoffs a lot. I know that. But that stands out. Markel Fultz, DJ Augustine, really great job at just being playmakers on this team. Another notable performance I do want to talk about. Terrence Ross being a positive 19 on the game, plus 19. 18 points off the bench. Did all of his damage inside the three-point line. 7-13 from the field. He was 0-3 from three, but he was 7-10 for 10 inside the three-point line. 4-4 four four from the free-throw line. Just a really, really, really impressive performance from him. Other performances, I mean, Evan Fournier, you know, he made three threes, nine points. He was non-existent most of the game. Um, Wesa Wundu, you know, I, I really wanted to see more from him. He only played 12 minutes, four points, two of three from the field. I always want to see more from Wes. I'm a big Wes guy. I want to see more from him. But the notable performance for me were the two point guards um, combining for 17 of the team's 29 assists. And obviously, Nikola Vucevic was by far the star of the show. Orlando shot the ball incredibly well, too. Um, 49% from the field, 44 for 89, 39% from the three-point line. That's the stat that stands out to me a lot because the team made a total of 16 three-pointers, which... And this stat was crazy to me when I was putting stuff together for this episode. That is the third time in franchise history that the Magic made 16 or more three-pointers in a playoff game. I feel like I turn on a Rockets game and they do that in the first quarter. I was shocked when I saw that. The last time they did that was back in 2009. It was Game 4 against the Cleveland Cavaliers in the conference finals where the Magic made 17. It was a really nice game for the Magic from behind three-point line. Vooch had five. Gary Clark added four of his own. Fournier added three late in the game. Just a really great game for them from behind the three-point line. And more importantly than how many they made is how effectively they did it. 39% from the three-point line. I think that is just a really impressive stat for the Magic. For a team that's been kind of inconsistent from the three-point line on and off throughout the season, 39%, it's, you know— Kind of more or less what they've averaged throughout the course of the regular season. But to do that in a playoff game against a team like Milwaukee that has great perimeter defenders, Giannis, Chris Middleton, Eric Bledsoe, Wes Matthews, even Pat Connaughton, George Hill, a team that has really, really, really nice perimeter defenders. So the Magic to get through and shoot 39% from the three-point line, I expected less, to be honest with you. That was a really, really key stat to this game for them. The Magic also had 122 points, the fourth time in playoff history they've gotten at least 120 points. Last time they did that, um, excuse me, the highest time that they did that, 124 points all the way back in 1995 against the Boston Celtics. But clearly all these stats tell you one thing, a really nice productive offensive game for the Orlando Magic. For a team that was the NBA's highest ranked offense for not including the months in the pandemic for about four months. They were the highest-rated offense in the league. And without Aaron Gordon to put up 122 points to shoot the ball relatively well is just impressive to me. We know and we've seen what they've done in the half court, especially with the three-point shots. But 25 points off of turnovers. They completely took advantage of Milwaukee's sloppy play. 
we saw how effective they were in the half court, obviously, with those stats before. But 25 points in transition, opening up the court, seeing how they played in full court. Huge, huge, huge bonus for the Magic. I think that was one of the biggest difference makers of the game, being able to get 25 points off of Milwaukee's turnovers. That is the most in the 2020 playoffs thus far. Obviously, a really impressive offensive game for the Magic. Where did Milwaukee go wrong? Milwaukee put up 110 points. It's not like they played much better in Game 2, by the way, which we'll get to. Giannis was the star of the show, as always, for this team. The probable MVP, 31 points, 17 rebounds, 7 assists, 20, excuse me, 12 of 25 from the field, 3 of 7 from 3, 4 of 9 from the free throws. That was big. We're going to get to that in a minute. Um, Giannis was the star, but the question was, where was everybody else? Chris Milton, 14 points, 4 of 12 from the field. You think that's bad. Wait till you see Game 2. Chris Milton just completely disappeared for Milwaukee in Game 2. Brooke Lopez, 5 points, 2 of 9 from the field. Bledsoe was okay, 15 points, 5 of 11 from the field. George Hill was their second-leading scorer off the bench in 27 minutes, 16 points. But Pat Connaughton, 1 of 4 from the field, disappeared. Marvin Williams, where was he? 6 points. Dante DiVincenzo, who has emerged as a really key role player for this team, 2 points, 1 of 6 from the field. This team was just abysmal, outside of Giannis, to say the least. Um, Chris Milton wasn't able to get the job done. Brooke Lopez was just not himself at all. And keep in mind, this had nothing to do with how well Orlando was defending the ball. You watch this game, Chris Milton missing wide open shots. Brooke Lopez just missing easy shots down low. I mean, this wasn't necessarily the result of a good defensive performance from the Magic, but it was a result of a putrid offensive performance from Milwaukee. And keep in mind that this team has not been the same team since they've been the bubble. They've been a, a completely different team here in Orlando. Chris Milton just hasn't gotten his stuff together. You'll see in Game 2 the same results. Looking at the shooting stats, though, Milwaukee shot the ball 43% from the field, 33% from three, which, yes, that is important. The difference maker to me comes in the 64%, 18 of 28 from the free throw line. You make at least five or 10 more of those shots in the game. It was a 12 point worth for the Magic. You make six or seven of those shots. You're talking a six point game, completely different game down the stretch, whereas Orlando just continued to pull away because Milwaukee couldn't hit their free throws. Milwaukee hits their free throws, you might be looking at a different game. That was the sad of the game right there though for me. Game one performance for the Magic really well. The second time in NBA history where two eight seeds upset the number one seed on the same day. The only other time it happened was in the early 2000s. I don't have the year of the games off the top of my head, but it did happen obviously that day because the Blazers defeated the Lakers in game one. Let's jump over to game two now because this was another, I think, good performance for the Magic. They lost 111 to 96 and... A lot of it had to do with them completely digging themselves in their, into a hole in the first quarter, shooting just 12% from the field, down 25-13 to 13 in the first quarter. Milwaukee just looked like they were going to run away with it. Even at halftime, Magic only had 43 points at the half. It looked like it was done. Milwaukee had 39 points in the second half. It was a runaway game. They were up by 20-something points. But then Milwaukee started to slip into their bad habits again, scoring 18 points in the fourth quarter. I do need to keep in mind, by the way, and remind everyone that Chris Milton, again, non-existent. Two points, one of eight from the field, 0-4 from three, only making one shot on the game. I mean, this is the guy that's supposed to be an all-star, Giannis' second best player. Um, 
the Robin to his Batman. This guy's been non-existent. Positive note for the Bucks, though. Giannis Antetokounmpo, 28 points, 20 rebounds, and 5 assists. That is the fourth time. Excuse me. He is just the fourth player since 2000 to have done that. Excuse me. The fifth player since 2000 to have done that. Shaq, Tim Duncan, Kevin Garnett, Dirk Nowitzki, and now Giannis Antetokounmpo. That's some pretty good company to be in, if you ask me. Those are the players who had 25, 20, and 5 playoff games since the year 2000. So, Giannis, once again, nothing new for him, cementing himself in the history books. The fifth player since 2000 to have a 25-20-5 and five game. Really nice performance for Giannis overall. 10 of 23 from the field. 1 of 5 from 3, but he did improve on his free throw shooting, as did the rest of the team. They were better. They were better than what they were. We're going to talk about that in a minute. Um, But yeah, Chris Middleton, again, not as a result of great Orlando Magic defense either. Chris Middleton's just been non-existent. Brooke Lopez had a bounce-back game, 20 points. Um, 8 of 12 from the field. Bledsoe played okay, 13.6 of 12 from the field. He was a fantastic defensive player that game, by the way. Did a really great job at covering Markel Fultz and DJ Augustine. Just was an animal on the defensive side of the ball, and I think that was a big X factor for them. Pat Connaughton had a bit of a bounce-back game, 15 points, 11 rebounds, 5 of 8 from 3. All five of his shots were three-pointers. George Hill, you know, shot the ball twice. It wasn't, you know... He he just wasn't there, but Pat Conton made up for the offense that George Hill provided in the previous game, and then DiVincenzo added 11 points, 4 of 9 from the field. Milwaukee only had 111 points, so it's not like they had a drastically improved offensive game either. They were able to up the ante on defense zone, hold the Magic to 96 points. Vucevic had another fantastic game in Game 2 yesterday. 32 points, 10 rebounds, 13 of 23... 13 of 23 from the field, 2 of 8 from 3, 4 of 4 from the free throw line. I mean, Vucevic is just going to be the star for this series. You you can already tell that with or without Aaron Gordon, Vucevic has set the tone that he is going to carry this team. Fournier wasn't much better this game either. 12 points, 4 of 13 from the field, 1 of 6 from 3, 3 of 4 from the free throw line. Fournier has been another player. I mean, not at the same magnitude as Chris Milton because he's just not that important of a player to the Magic as Milton is to Milwaukee. But Fournier hasn't really been a great offensive player. I was a little disappointed in Gary Clark, by the way. He did get more minutes, 30 minutes, 3 points, 7 rebounds, 1 of 5 from the field, all of them threes again. I just wish he would stop shooting threes and try to score inside the arc a little bit because that might possibly you know, help him get more points on the board. I, I think he's a good three-point shooter, but I think he's just trying too hard to knock down the three-point shot. I would love to see Gary Clark get inside a little bit more. Um, Markel Fultz, like I said before, Eric Bledsoe locked him up. 11 points, 4 of 11 from the field. He did make his only three-point shot of the game, but it just comes down to Eric Bledsoe being a really nice defensive player. Terrence Ross had an okay game off the bench. 12 points, 4 of 14 from the field. Um, the player to me that stood out in this game, and this was, I think, a pretty big difference maker down the stretch, DJ Augustine. Now, DJ Augustine had 10 points. He was 0 of 5 from the field, but he got to the free throw line 10 times and made all 10 shots. That is just a great example of a guy who knows that he, he his shot's off. He's 0 of 5 from the field. He's not scoring. Getting to the free throw line, knocking down all 10 of those free throws, I think was a really, really huge for DJ Augustine. Wesson Wundu, a guy who... I just want to see Wesson Wundu just play well. 0 of 6 from the field, 3 points. All of his shots came off free throws. Just it, it just wasn't Orlando Magic's game. They had an abysmal offensive game, especially in the first half. Milwaukee was just dominant 
defensively. Just a dominant defensive performance in the first half. But then the offensive woes started to creak in. They started loosening up a little bit in the second half. And there was a point where it was like an eight or a nine point game late in the fourth quarter. And Milwaukee had to put their foot on the gas pedal again because Orlando was starting to storm back. The positives to take away from this loss, though. Number one, Milwaukee's offense right now is more vulnerable than it has ever been. All you have to do if you're the Magic to continue to win games and put yourselves ahead, you have to outscore Milwaukee. It's come to a point where with or without Jonathan Isaac, Aaron Gordon, Mo Bamba, all of these guys who are solid and great defensive players that are out, whether they're there or not, you are not stopping Giannis. You are not slowing down the Bucks' offense. Even with Chris Milton playing like garbage, there's just you're not going to stop them. The, the Magic defense isn't good enough to stop Milwaukee. They do have the offensive firepower to possibly outscore Milwaukee. That's how they're going to win the series. That's how they're going to win games if they want to even have a chance at pulling off an upset like this. Because Milwaukee's defense was really, really incredible in Game 2. And the Magic need to break that defensive wall like they did in Game 1 and try to outscore Milwaukee. They did a really great job at breaking their defense in Game 1 because Milwaukee has just a really great defensive scheme under Mike Budenholzer, and the Magic were really able to get through that in Game 1. They exploited the weakness. They did it in Game 2. They exploited the weakness of Milwaukee's post-defense. I mean, let's be honest. Brooke Lopez, Brooke Lopez doesn't scream post-defender. Yes, they have Giannis, but more times than not, Giannis is chasing players around the perimeter, which opened up so many opportunities for Vucevic down low in both of these games, scoring 35 points and 32 points respectively in games one and two. This is also the first time since Milwaukee has been in the bubble that they gave up less than one point per possession. Their defense is improving, but their struggles come on offense and their struggles come through Guys just not playing consistently. Giannis is going to do what he does. Giannis is going to score 20, 30 points a game. That's not going to change. Chris Middleton, Brooke Lopez, Eric Bledsoe. Um, I know Brooke Lopez had a better game too, but these are guys that need to step up if Milwaukee wants to take down the Magic. This game is going to be, it's going to come down to offense. It's going to be an offensive firepower series. It's going to be teams scoring back and forth. I'm really excited to see how Saturday's game goes. Um, but credit to Milwaukee for completely upping the defensive pressure. I think the Magic thought that they were going to walk into a situation like they did in Game 1 where Milwaukee was very lackadaisical. Um, they were playing lazy on offense. They weren't really pressuring on defense too much. I think Orlando got too comfortable in a big statement Game 1 win. They showed that early on. They were kind of lounging around in the first half. They had a rough first half. Orlando snapped out of it at halftime. Had a really, really, really nice second half. I think Orlando played really well in the second half. But, I mean, it just came down to the offensive woes in the first half. 35% from the field as a team. 31 for 38 on, excuse me, 31 for 89 on the game. 21% from the three-point line. That was where the Magic really suffered the most. 7 of 33 from behind the three-point line. Milwaukee bounced back with that. Shooting 37% from the three-point arc. I just think it came down to three-point shooting. I think that was just one of the biggest um, one of the biggest flaws in the game for the Magic, and you really saw that in the first half. Like, if you watched the first quarter of that game, they couldn't hit a shot. The rim could have been the size of the court, and the Magic weren't going to score. It, they just couldn't get anything to fall. They were, again, a really good free-throw shooting team, 87% from the line, 27 of 31, only missing four three-throws. 
Um, and then the turnovers just 11 turnovers, which is okay. Milwaukee had 20 turnovers, which, again, has been a secret problem for them. I think they've been turning the ball over a lot, and it's resulted in a lot of transition offense for the Magic. So where do we go from here? Orlando walked into game one, dominated on both sides of the ball. They went into game two with confidence, saying, you know what? Milwaukee can't score the ball. Because they really haven't been able to score the ball as well as they normally have been. Not just in the playoffs, since they've been the bubble. Chris Milton has been a disaster. An absolute disaster for them. Giannis has obviously by far been their best player, but he's not getting the help that he normally gets from Bledsoe Middleton. Especially in Game 1 when you look at how Brooke Lopez, Pat Connaughton, Dante DiVincenzo played. These, these are role players from Milwaukee that need to step up. But where do the Magic go in Game 3? Number 1. These are very fixable mistakes. Very, very, very fixable things. You're not going to defend the Bucs. You're going to outscore them. And I think that's what it's going to come down to. The Magic have to step up their offense and do what they can to outscore and outpace the Milwaukee Bucks like they did in Game 1. Continue playing through Vucevic. Hopefully you get Aaron Gordon back. I don't think he's playing in Game 3. I'm pretty sure he's out, but he might be questionable. You need to get Aaron Gordon back. You need to just continue your offensive production. And you need to do what you did in Game 1 with Marco Fultz and DJ Augustine. Great playmaking, looking for open teammates, unselfish basketball. Those are the keys for the Magic if they want to pull an upset off on the Milwaukee Bucks because they did all those things really well in Game 1. I just think they went into Game 2 a little too confident, a little too relaxed in the first half, and it was just too much for them to come back from. Um, how are they going to perform on Saturday? I think the Magic are going to win this game. And I think that because I think Milwaukee's offensive woes, especially Chris Melton, who just hasn't been the same player in Orlando at all, I think the offensive woes are going to continue for Milwaukee. The Magic did a really good job, especially in the fourth quarter, of figuring out their mistakes on the fly a little bit. And again, these are fixable mistakes. It's not like it's not like they're just playing terrible basketball. The Magic are playing good basketball. It was just a matter of not being able to hit shots in the beginning of the game. And that deficit that they pulled themselves into dragged on for the rest of the game. They played well in the second half. These are fixable errors that the Magic have. More efficient shooting. They could do that by finding open teammates like they did in Game 1. Playing slightly better defense. Getting those points in transition like they did in Game 1. Fixing these quick and easy mistakes can lead the Magic to win in Game 3. I'm picking the Magic to win Game 3. And I'm picking that because, like I said, I think Milwaukee's offensive woes are going to continue, number one. And number two, I think the Magic are going to fix those offensive mistakes that they know that they were making in Game 2. They know and they knew throughout the game that they were making those mistakes. If they can harp on those mistakes and fix them, carry their lessons that they learned into Game 3, I think they have a chance to pull up an upset in Game 3 again. Now, keep in mind, Milwaukee hasn't been a good playoff team in the past with Giannis at the helm. Last year, they were a disaster in the playoffs. This year... I mean, they're 1-1 one one against the Magic, but they're not playing that well at all in Orlando. And Orlando is such a new playoff team. I mean, this is a team that's kind of floated out in and out of the playoffs over the past couple of years, floated between that like 7-10 and 10 seed, but this is Markel Fultz's first time in the playoffs. This is going to be... I mean, this has been Vucevic is probably the best he's ever played in his career. So this is, you know, it's the first time from a guy like Markel Fultz. It's the first time that Vucevic is truly carrying this team on his own because he doesn't have, um, 
you know, he doesn't have guys like Aaron Gordon or Jonathan Isaac around him. So a lot of pressure is going to continue to fall onto Vucevic's shoulders throughout this series. But the Magic have to continue to play through him if they want to win. And those first-time playoff performance performers like Gary Clark, like Markel Fultz, they need to step up. James Ennis, this is his first time in a serious starting role in the playoffs. James Ennis has to continue to step up. Evan Fournier needs to shoot the ball better. These are fixable mistakes that if the Magic execute a better offensive game plan in Game 3, I think they could pull off the upset because Milwaukee's offense just isn't there. This series for the Magic has come down to this, especially with no Jonathan Isaac. It's not about stopping Milwaukee. It's about outpacing them. It's about outscoring them. It's about playing better than them on the offensive side on the offensive side of the ball because quite frankly, that's where their weakness is. They played exceptionally well on defense in game two, and I do think that that might carry over into game three. I think the offensive woes are going to continue for them. If the Magic want to have any shot at beating the Milwaukee Bucks, they have to, have to, have to outscore them and play smart offense just like they did in game one. That's it for Orlando Magic Talk today. That's my prediction. I do think the Magic are going to win game three just because I think the offensive woes are going to continue for Milwaukee. It has been a really great series so far, though. Both games have been extremely close. I mean, yesterday in the fourth quarter with like five minutes left, it was what, like an eight-point game? I mean, the Magic are really keeping pace with Milwaukee, so I'm excited to see what Game 3 brings. Before we wrap up today, I do just want to touch on the playoffs as a whole really quickly because the playoffs have been a really great environment so far. I think every series we've watched has been exciting, even, you know, the more quote-unquote boring series like the Jazz and the Nuggets. I think that's probably the most boring out of them all, but it's been a really great series so far. Um, My takeaways from the playoffs as a whole so far— The NBA has done a really great job of putting this all together. The virtual fans are huge. When you watch these games, like, if I'm not looking at the sides of the court where there's plexiglass and digital fans and stuff like that, I feel like I'm watching a real playoff game. The sounds that they're adding are great. The music, the cheering, the, the energy from the players. The NBA has done everything in their power to make this feel as authentic and as real as possible. And kudos to them because they've succeeded. Kudos to them. It's been really great to watch. Really exciting basketball. I can't wait to go watch the games later on today because they've all been really exciting. I mean, the Blazers-Lakers series is just incredible to watch. Damian Lillard is, I think now, he he has to be recognized as a top five player in the NBA. I don't know how that series is going to turn out. I do think the Lakers are going to hold on and win, but you know they're just a, such an exciting team to watch. Damian Lillard and the Blazers, watching Melo and LeBron go at it. I do just want to touch on this really quickly because I'm pretty sure I mentioned this earlier in the episode, but if there is any team that I think will pull off an upset in the first round, it's the Dallas Mavericks against the Clippers. Luka Doncic has been the best player in the playoffs so far out of any team, besides Nikola Vujovic, of course. No, but for real, Luka Doncic has been the best player in the playoffs so far. My pick for an upset in the first round, if anything, I'm sorry, Magic fans, I'm sorry. It's going to be the Dallas Mavericks over the Clippers. Speaking of upsets, though, do I think the Magic have a chance to pull off an upset in the series overall? I mean, if they continue to play like they did game one, I think there's a legitimate shot because Milwaukee is just 
not there on offense. Like I said, it comes down to outpacing them, outscoring them. It's going to be a really exciting series. That's all I have for you guys today on Believe in Orlando Magic. Just a really quick, simple breakdown of games one and two. Be sure to tune into game three tomorrow on Saturday, August 22nd. It's going to be a really great game between the Bucks and the Magic. If you're an Orlando Magic fan, you have to feel confident going into this game. The game's tomorrow at 1 o'clock on TNT. Milwaukee is obviously favored. Series is tied 1-1. One one. I'm so excited to see what the Magic do. They have to, have to, have to go back to the offensive game plan that they had in Game 1, and they have to hit their shots. That's it from me. I'm Mike Fizzino. Thank you for tuning in to Believe in Orlando Magic. You can listen in on all major streaming platforms or on Believe.com. Please subscribe to the um, please subscribe to the podcast. I do want to continue growing this. I do plan on having more guests come on in the future. We have some NBA Orlando Magic Twitter analysts coming on the next couple of weeks. We have some college basketball players coming up. I believe next week we're going to have a colleague of mine who is a college basketball player coming on. I do also have an interview scheduled with Orlando Magic, one of the Orlando Magic's assistant coaches. I'm going to hold off on that announcement right now. But that's it for me today in Believe in Orlando Magic. I will see you all next time for our next episode. Make sure to subscribe, tune in, and take care, everyone. For the ones who work hard to ensure their crew can always go the extra mile, and the ones who get in early so everyone can go home on time, there's Granger, offering professional-grade supplies backed by product experts so you can quickly and easily find what you need. Plus, you can count on access to a committed team ready to go the extra mile for you. Call, click Granger.com, or just stop by. Granger for the ones who get it done.